0: Welcome to What Christians Should Know, how you can apply biblical principles to everyday life. Good day to everyone. It's been a while, but welcome back to What Christians Should Know, the podcast. As always, I am your host, Dr. Elijah Sadoffel, and this is What Christians Should Know, episode zero, volume number six, where we'll be searching for a crucial answer to the critical question, is faith compatible with? with science. So let's get started. Why is the question, is faith compatible with science even being asked? Because we live in an age where faith and science have seemingly been drafted to go to war with one another. There are even books like Jerry Coyne's 2015 book, Faith Versus Fact, why science and religion are incompatible. There, science is championed as virtuous and religion is degraded as venomous. As the common argument goes, Science is a reliable method to ascertain what is true by making claims based on testable facts and empirical study. Hence, science is objective and can be trusted to tell us what is really true. In fact, a healthy dose of skepticism fuels scientific growth and more rigorous explanations. Religion, on the other hand, makes unreliable claims based on faith, untestable speculations or revelation. So, religion is subjective and cannot be trusted to tell us what is really true. Here, just believing with an empty head is regarded as a virtue and skepticism is fervently suppressed. In other words, science is a sensible step in the light of day, while faith is a blind leap into the dark abyss. So, if we take a step back and analyze how the battle between faith and science has been manufactured, two burning questions are immediately obvious. Number one, what happens when we encounter a part of reality that cannot be tested or that science may never explain? And number two, what happens when religion makes claims that are verifiable and based on reliable facts? Speaking for myself being a Christian scientist, and by scientist I mean a medical doctor, I've always found this conflict between faith and science curious because if it is in fact true that faith is incompatible with science, then I should not exist or be suffering from a deep inward existential crisis. Indeed, no such dilemma exists. Even more, what kind of God would God be if science could usurp Him from the throne? If God really is God, then wouldn't science be a means by which we could discover something about Him by investigating His creation? What I hope to do in this episode is threefold. Number one, clarify what faith is and what the Bible says about science. Number two, clarify what science and scientism are and describe their applications and limitations in understanding reality. And number three, provide a reasonable, rational conclusion to the question, is faith compatible with science based on objective facts? Faith and the Bible The formal biblical definition of faith can be found in Hebrews 11.1, which says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. The HarperCollins Bible Dictionary defines faith as, Quote, trust in or reliance on God who is himself trustworthy, end quote. Faith is, present tense, the assurance of things hoped for in the future. Faith is based upon past promises that give us present confidence and future hope. Let's make that plain. When I board a plane to go on vacation, I have years of flying experience that informs me that a plane is a perfectly safe way to get to the Caribbean. Because of past experience, I am not a nervous wreck on the plane, but have a present confidence in the pilots and the reliability of the aircraft. I look into the future with an assurance that I will end up at my destination. Granted, I don't have comprehensive knowledge of how a plane works or how to pilot an aircraft, but I do have enough understanding to be comfortable in my seat. Similarly, our Christian faith is never ever blind. It always has its eyes wide open and focused on the person of Jesus Christ. Our faith is real because of its object. That object, of course, is Jesus Christ. We look back to the past promises of God in the Bible and see the historical resurrection of Jesus, verifiable by the multitude of eyewitness testimonies. And, by the way, the resurrection of Jesus is a historical event that was falsifiable. The only thing a person needed to do was show the dead body of Jesus, and all claims of the resurrection would have stopped. But that did not happen. So, Jesus validates our present confidence so that we look forward into the future with an assured hope based on what God has already done. We have faith in Jesus and Christ alone is the one who is the author and perfecter of our faith. Faith therefore involves an intellectual knowledge of the facts, then an agreement that those facts are true, and then trusting in the one who those facts point towards Jesus. In other words, our faith has actual content. God never demands that we thoughtlessly bow down and submit before authority, but invites us to examine the historical actualities for ourselves at the beginning of our ascent to faith. Again, our Christian faith is not blind, because blind faith is not Christian. In fact, if you do have blind faith, then you should have your head examined. Why? Because when you execute blind faith, you have faith in your faith and the barometer of what you believe in has nothing to do with God and everything to do with you. You can theoretically have blind faith in anything your heart desires. This is where the skeptical scientists actually have a valid point, because blind faith does in fact make unreliable claims based on untestable speculations. Therefore, blind faith is subjective and cannot be trusted to tell us what is really true. The reality is, just believing with an empty head is a toxic vice. Furthermore, in the New Testament, consider that the writers talk about faith based on reliable information, the objective sense experience of hostile witnesses that could be verified by others. If anything, the apostles were the ones most qualified to say, this is what happened to me, but they did not. Instead, they wrote, this is what happened. Peter, for example, addresses challenges to the veracity of Christ's resurrection in the first century when he tells others about what he and other apostles saw with their own eyes. 2 Peter 1.16 says, For we did not follow cleverly devised tales when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of His majesty. At the start of his gospel book, the beloved physician Luke writes about the care he takes to construct an accurate collection of historical facts in pursuit of the truth. This well educated man even writes about careful investigation to complete his research. He uses this factoid as a preface to his gospel. So Luke chapter 1, verses 1 to 4, says, Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile an account of the things accomplished among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and servants of the Word, it seemed fitting for me as well, having investigated everything carefully from the beginning, to write it out for you in consecutive order, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the exact truth about the things you have been taught. In Acts 1 verse 3, Luke writes about Jesus presenting himself alive to a multitude of people after the resurrection as proof that he really did rise from the dead. And 1 John chapter 1 talks about what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, and what we have looked at and touched with our hands as the basis for the apostles' testimony. Clearly then, Christian faith is in Jesus Christ whom multiple eyewitnesses testified about in manifold historical episodes. Regardless, you may be saying to yourself, well, the apostles may have seen something with their own eyes, but I didn't. The question I have then is, do you have the same objections to a historian who wrote about the Civil War? How about an eyewitness who chronicled the lives of key figures during the Renaissance? because both of those scenarios are a matter of history, as are the truth claims of the Christian faith. Rejecting the historicity of the Bible, then, has little to do with rejecting the Bible than it has to do with rejecting history. The Bible and Science We get our first sense of the modern conception of science in the book of Genesis. Really? Yes, really. In Genesis chapter 1, verses 27-28, to 28, the text says, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over every living thing that moves on the earth. In the Bible's first book, the Lord commands man to subdue creation and to rule over it. Subdue comes from a Hebrew word meaning to dominate, direct, lead, or control. Embedded in this idea is a sense of man taking control of the world around him and taking the reins in order to investigate nature. There are restrictions to prevent exploitation, so this command to rule falls under the sovereign rule of God. The point is that science falls in the realm of man's dominion over creation. History supports this claim in that for hundreds of years, scientists worked under the auspices of the Church, which commissioned these men to pursue their scientific callings. In the New Testament Gospel of John, the Apostle talks about the Logos, which is the chief rational principle through which all of creation came into existence. All things came into being through the Logos, so there is nothing in our reality that exists that the Logos did not generate. The point is this. All of creation is the Lord's and the Logos is His fingerprint on creation. So if we use science to discover, investigate and scrutinize things in the natural world, we expect to find traces of God's autograph. Everything in creation is so because of divine design. The Bible testifies to this fact. Psalm 19:1 says the heavens are telling of the glory of God and their expanse is declaring the work of his hands. Job 12:7 to 10 says but now ask the beasts and let them teach you, and the birds of the heavens, and let them tell you, or speak to the earth, and let it teach you, and let the fish of the sea declare to you. Who among all these does not know that the hand of the Lord has done this, in whose hand is the life of every living thing, and the breath of all mankind? Romans 1 verse 20 says, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible attributes, His eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made, so that they are without excuse. Ultimately, the Creator of the universe does not need science to discover anything. God already knows everything and if He wrote a book, we would expect everything in it to be true and reliable. All truth is God's truth, and the truth is independent of us or any ideology. As Christians, then, our scientific endeavors can only chip away at tiny specks of knowledge that pale in comparison to an omniscient God. When God said, let there be light, He created and then cast a bright light on the information coded into nature, so when we use our eyes to examine nature, we will see God's inaudible language. True science, then, is a way to unlock parts of God's truth. Now let's make a reasonable objection. Doesn't the Bible contradict what science tells us? The short answer is no. All truth is God's truth and truth is never contradictory. Allow me to explain. Let's take the Bible's biggest truth claim as an example, the resurrection. Science cannot and does not disprove the resurrection. What science does do is describe the normal working of nature that informs us that dead people tend to stay dead. Hence, nature tends to have normal, reproducible events, and miracles are abnormal. Therefore, for a dead person to come back to life truly is something miraculous. And look at how we've become too puffed up with ourselves. It did not take 21st century science to tell people in the first century that dead guys don't come back to life. It didn't take 21st century science for them to realize that water does not miraculously turn into wine. Skeptics in the 21st century say, I don't believe in the resurrection. Fine, then all you have to do is use science to disprove the historical event. Skeptics in the 1st century said, I don't believe in the resurrection. Fine, then all they had to do was produce the body. Even with presupposed modern intellect, skeptics still have the same objection without any concrete evidence to back it up. Ultimately, science cannot disprove the resurrection. It can only describe what is normal. Hence, it is clear that the Bible has no qualms with science and having faith in Jesus Christ poses no barrier to true science. In fact, the Bible even encourages us to pursue investigation, practice empiricism, and embrace rationality. So is faith compatible with science? According to the Bible, absolutely. So where does the idea that faith is not compatible with science come from? Let's take a look at science. So what is science? Science. The new Oxford American Dictionary defines science as quote, the intellectual and practical activity encompassing a systematic study of the structure and behavior of the physical and natural world through observation and experiment. End quote. Science comes from the Latin scientia meaning knowledge. A scientist is therefore someone who acts on an idea to be tested because they think that the idea may be true and through empiricism, they test the idea. Any legitimate scientific theory that genuinely explains something will make risky predictions that exclude most other outcomes. Fear cripples science in that it preserves existing theories as opposed to trying to discredit them. This is why falsification is such a big deal in that scientific testing does not search for confirming evidence but for falsifying evidence so that a better explanation can be generated. As with any other field in life, the science itself is always objective, but science in practice can never be objective merely because it is executed by human beings who are subjective. Science answers the question how by telling us what is. Science plays an invaluable part in helping human beings to understand reality. What I do every day in a medical office is not materially advanced by theology. It's advanced by research and empirical trials. I never learned how to take out someone's appendix by reading Leviticus. That's what dissection of a cadaver and my surgical clerkship was for. If people want to fly to Mars, learn how to kill pathogenic bacteria or exterminate cancer cells, they absolutely need science. True science is therefore not something to be denigrated, but to be championed. Cognizant of how science has benefited humanity, we must recognize that science has its limitations. What's interesting is that human civilization has been around for thousands of years, yet the modern conception of science only came into being within the last few hundred years. The point is that human beings manage to excel tremendously despite science. Just ask the Egyptians, Greeks, and Romans. Science can tell you about the chemical bonds that are present in the pigments on canvas, but it cannot tell you if the painting is beautiful. If you want to know whether something is right or wrong, then this is not a scientific question. Gravity, for example, has no opinion on the matter. Science cannot prove logical and mathematical proofs, it only presupposes them to operate. Science can't prove metaphysical truths, like that there are other minds in existence that are conscious. And here's the kicker, science cannot prove itself. Why is that? Because you would have to use science to do it. All of these observations are nothing new, and any honest scientist will concur. So while science points us to what is true, it is not the exclusive way to the truth. It describes parts of reality, but not all of reality. Why is that? Because there is a distinct difference between what something is and what something means. In fact, we need to know what something is in order to determine what it means. In many ways, the Christian religion and science are much more intimately related than most people think because science requires faith. What do I mean by that? Back in 2007, the English physicist Paul Davies wrote the following, All science proceeds on the assumption that nature is ordered in a rational and intelligible way. You couldn't be a scientist if you thought the universe was a meaningless jumble of odds and ends, haphazardly juxtaposed. When physicists probe to a deeper level of subatomic structure, or astronomers extend the reach of their instruments, they expect to encounter additional elegant mathematical order. And so far, this faith has been justified. End quote. In 1932, the Nobel Prize winning Max Planck wrote the following in Where Is Science Going? Quote, Anybody who has been seriously engaged in scientific work of any kind realizes that over the entrance to the gates of the Temple of Science are written the words, Ye must have faith. It is a quality which the scientist cannot dispense with." Quote. What Davies and Planck realize is that we live in an ordered world and that order gives us the power to predict. No one expects that when they wake up tomorrow, gravity will be absent. So, based on past experience, we trust that gravity will keep us in our beds so that we don't float far, far away. There is also hope that what is today will also be in the future. In medicine, for example, I don't prescribe penicillin blindly for patients who have strep throat. I have past training that tells me penicillin kills strep and the patients I have given it to get better. Thus, I can be confident in prescribing it now with a reasonable assurance that the patient will get better. So when it comes to science in general, based on past experience, we have present confidence in the order rules of the universe, and the assurance of order allows us to tinker, conduct experiments and test theories. A scientist who tests something does not know what the results will be, but he or she takes a step in faith in a particular direction. The point is that science must trust in something else, outside of itself. In fact, the rules that science follows are not products of science. Science only describes the order in the universe in which we happen to live. So, because science has no force in and of itself, it cannot account for the most basic presuppositions that scientists use to make guesses. It cannot answer questions that pertain to where these laws come from and why they have the values that they do. In other words, science does not have comprehensive knowledge of how everything works, but it does have enough understanding so that we can use science to direct us to our destination. Without faith in an orderly universe, science would not only be impossible, but pointless. Again, as Paul Davies writes, quote, The laws were treated as given, imprinted on the universe like a maker's mark at the moment of cosmic birth, and fixed forevermore. Therefore, to be a scientist, you had to have faith that the universe is governed by dependable, immutable, absolute, universal, mathematical laws of an unspecified origin. You've got to believe that these laws won't fail, that we won't wake up tomorrow to find heat flowing from cold to hot, or the speed of light changing by the hour." So science is valuable, but we also recognize its limitations. So what happens when faith and science say different things? This is an excellent question. The first thing we have to realize is that faith and science must say different things by definition. That is, faith will make theological statements and science will make scientific statements. And guess what? There is absolutely nothing wrong with that because each field will stay in their own lane. Science tells us what is happening and about what transpires in the universe at all times. Science is not historical and it cannot do what revelation does, reveal what happened in a particular place to a particular people at a particular time. History cannot be repeated. The Bible can tell you God's plan of redemption, and no matter how hard you try, science will never tell you that. Science can tell you how DNA is transcribed, and the Bible will never tell you that. By studying nature, science can give you a sense that creation was designed by an intelligent mind, but you will never be able to discover who that person is or what he has done. So, faith and true science each being distinct ways to learn the truth, will say different things. The short of it is this, there's a distinction between what nature and grace can tell us, but there's not a separation, because all fall under the banner of truth, and all truth is God's truth. Of course, this does not dismiss the fact that faith and science from time to time will be in conflict. Science cannot correct God, but it can correct an incorrect human interpretation of the Bible. Hence, hundreds of years ago, Galileo corrected both the Church and scientific orthodoxy by proving that the earth was not the center of the solar system. Indeed, the Bible does not make the explicit case that the earth is at the center of the solar system and science corrected human understanding of divine truth. On the flip side of things, faith can correct science's misguided interpretation of reality. The Bible tells us, for example, that the universe does not come from nothing and for no reason. There is a creative agent who created us with a purpose. The Bible corrects the falsity that the universe came from nothing and that creation was either blind or in any way random. So what have we learned? That faith and true science are completely compatible. In fact, scientists need faith in order to conduct science, faith can correct incorrect scientific interpretations, and science can correct incorrect human interpretations of God's Word. So what's all the fuss about? I mentioned before that science tells us what is. If science tries to tell us how things should be, we have now made a leap from science and into the ideological realm of scientism. Scientism. Science is an opinionless, neutral realm that has no feelings. Scientism is science's diabolical second cousin. Science is an objective field of study that seeks to know how. Scientism is a worldview that says nature is all that there is. Scientism is also referred to as scientific materialism or scientific naturalism. What does that mean? it means that all of reality can be described exclusively by material or natural causes. So, for example, miracles are not allowed to happen because there is no natural explanation for how water turns into wine. And you can see the difference already because science says miracles are just a huge departure from the normal course of events and are thus highly unlikely. The essential problem with scientism is that it has nothing to do with science and jumps from the realm of truth-seeking to a philosophical assumption. That is, the presupposition, all of reality can be explained naturally, is nothing more than that, conjecture, which proves nothing but pretends to explain everything. This is why anything supernatural cannot exist under scientism because, according to the assumption, it isn't permitted. With this ideology, there is no room for God because he cannot be reduced to atoms and the laws of physics. The second problem of scientism is that even a cursory analysis of reality reveals how it fails to explain some basic principles. Examples include love, philosophy, law, ethics, and aesthetics. The result is that in a world where right and wrong have no meaning and reduced to material odds and ends, nothing can be trusted. The third problem follows from the second problem in that scientism detaches you from things that are most authentically human. The fourth problem is that scientism makes all of reality meaningless. Allow me to explain. If we were to assume that scientism is true, then all of reality can be reduced to natural phenomenon. So, a person who is a rigid advocate of scientism essentially boils down to being a big bag of DNA whose thoughts, ideas, and worldview at their root equate to impersonal unconscious forces resulting in the firing of neurons in their brain. This means that a person who is a rigid religious zealot is also a big bag of DNA whose thoughts, ideas, and worldview reduce to impersonal unconscious forces and neurons firing in their brain. Republicans, Democrats, Feminists, Chauvinists, Atheists, Pantheists, Jews, and Muslims all reduce down to the same thing. This tells us what? That everything is the same, nothing is really true, and therefore nothing has any relevance or meaning. Therefore, for a person to say they believe in scientism, this statement means absolutely nothing and quite frankly, they would thus be better off remaining silent. The essence of scientism in many ways resembles primitive religions. There is a big unexplored territory, which is the supernatural, with an associated irrational fear of that unknown. When the unknown is not allowed to exist, creative exploration crumbles and the full breath of reality is artificially reduced. Because scientism says that the material world is all there is, there is a unified battle cry that yells, everything that I know is all that is necessary to know. This is the height of vanity and self-centeredness. Indeed, Satan would be proud. Hence, scientism acts like a god, the end-all-be-all by which everything is judged. A humble mind is the key to science that recognizes it understands far less than it understands. This is the perpetual unexplored unknown that drives true scientists forward. Proud scientism criticizes anything not like itself and seeks to destroy it. In the end, scientists do best when they do science, not philosophy. They have authority in the scientific realm, but do not have the right to coercively impose their beliefs on culture at large. And, if you've ever wondered why there is a component of psychological violence mounted against Christians, like those people who say Christians are ignorant and stupid, then you now know why. Because scientism is very religious in its convictions and sees anyone who does not think the same way as a threat. The zeal that accompanies scientism has nothing to do with objective science and everything to do with the subjective rejection of other worldviews while blatantly neglecting to discern if scientism is in fact true. So, is faith compatible with science? Of course it is. Scientism, however, is not compatible with either of them. So where do we go from here? Because there is no barrier separating faith from science, Christians should be more scientific. What I mean by that is having a deep comprehension of the Bible's truth claims, the facts. So when you defend your faith, you don't do it based on ignorance or from a posture of personal experience. People get very heated in religious debates because many people believe in what they believe. So, since their source of validation is themselves, an attack on what they believe equates to an assault on their own person, so the natural thing to do is put up a wall. The truth claims of the Christian faith are objective and independent of personal experience. Furthermore, here's a brutal fact. Generally speaking, Christians are grossly uninformed when it comes to the Bible. More than half of adults read the Bible no more than once a month, and roughly speaking, only 1 in 10 adults considers themselves highly knowledgeable about what the Bible says. With these abysmal rates of Bible engagement and literacy, does it not surprise you that when some Christians defend their beliefs, their arguments amount to an incoherent collection of misinformed gobbledygook? Does it not surprise you, then, that some in the secular world think we're a bunch of unschooled buffoons? The facts speak for themselves, and we should take the critique from outsiders seriously if we are serious about knowing what we believe and why we believe it. If we are knowledgeable about the Bible's truth claims, we can not only be better defenders of the faith, but also expose the perilous foundation upon which other worldviews are built. The great reformer John Calvin wrote the following, If the Lord has will that we be helped in physics, dialectics, mathematics, and other disciplines by the work and ministry of the ungodly, let us use this assistance. For if we neglect God's freely offered gift in these arts, we ought to suffer just punishment for our sloths." Calvin got it hundreds of years ago. Essentially, this was a man with boldness whose allegiance to Christ was unquestioned. And what did he say? That we as Christians ought to interact with other disciplines by engaging with the work of the ungodly. Calvin understood that all truth is God's truth, and the Lord works both through special revelation, the Bible, and general revelation, nature. Hence, the Bible does not have a monopoly on God's truth, and we ought to embrace all those other fields that dig deeper into God's creation. After all, when it comes to science, what are we to find other than more of God's truth? One Parting Thought Charles Darwin Now at the end, you may be asking yourself, so what about evolution? Can I hold my Bible in my right hand and Darwin's origin of species in my left? This is an excellent question. The short of it is Darwin's theory of evolution by natural selection is neither compatible with faith or science. In fact, one does not even have to appeal to the ultimate truth of God's Word to discover that macroevolution is a fraud. The most acute problem with Darwin's theory is that it is based on non-verifiable faith-based claims that will most likely never be verified. In other words, to champion Darwin's theory as true has nothing to do with facts and everything to do with subjective belief and blind faith. I am developing an entire episode of my other podcast called Truthfinder where I search for crucial answers to critical questions about belief. You can find links to the podcast on iTunes by searching for Truthfinder or following the links on WCSK.org. If you have enjoyed this episode and thought the content was valuable, please leave a rating and comment on iTunes. Until next time, take care and God bless. Thank you for listening. For more valuable content, including written transcripts, a bookstore, and online Bible study, please visit WCSK.org.